assurance Jesus is mine oh what a foretaste of glory divine heir of salvation purchase of your Bible, let's turn it together tonight to Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9, so good to be back here uh, at Woodland Hills. We were across the river this morning in uh, Bossier City, uh, preaching there, and uh, <clears throat> jumped in the vehicle. Well, we stopped and ate lunch and kept on coming west. Go west, young man, they said. So uh, we're here tonight, glad to be here. I'd like for you to stand with me in Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. I'm here to want to share a message with you. I believe that the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. I really believe that the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. Uh, look at verse uh, 1, chapter 9. Paul says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness 
and continuous sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Be seated, please. It was a year or so ago uh, that um, we were headed to our home church, which is uh, Faith Baptist Temple in Port Natchez, where Brother Mark Humble is our pastor. And um, he was out of pocket, and so he had me scheduled to preach. And it was February the 14th, February the 14th, Sweetheart Day, Valentine's Day. And so we got up, we left the hotel driving over to the church. My wife was a little nervous, and she said, uh, Sweetheart, you know what today is, don't you? I said, I sure do. I don't know what today is. And uh, I said, it's Valentine's Day. She said, yeah, it sure is, yeah. I said, you probably won't know if I have a sweetheart message to preach. I said, I sure do. I'm prepared for this day. I'm prepared for this day. And boy, she went in there, boy, relaxed, not nervous, not tense, worrying about what I was going to say from the pulpit. And I said, the Bible says that the heart is deceitfully wicked above all. Who can know it? She dropped her head and the stress came back. These people honor me with their lips, but their heart's far from me. I'm looking at my wife, she's shaking her head. That's not what I had in mind. I still believe that the problem is the problem of the heart. And uh, if we're ever going to reach people, we're going to have to get the kind of heart that Jesus wants us to have. His heart. His heart. I mean, we need a heart transplant is what I'm saying. So tonight I just want to share... Uh, I, I sort of say briefly, but you knew that would be a lie. <laughs> well, I, I, I'll do this. I'll preach as fast as you listen. You listen fast, I'll preach fast, we'll be done. You drag around listening, I'm going to drag around preaching, okay? It's going to be... you got to cooperate and work with me. But I, first of all, I want you to see, I believe that uh, uh, we need the kind of heart that uh, is a burden heart. We need to have a burden heart for man's condition. We need to have a burden heart. That's the kind of heart Paul had. We need to have a burden heart for man's condition. I found out when we were in Phoenix uh, last month, out there we ran into your pastor out there and hung out with him. He kept us out of trouble. <laughs> you believe that? We hung out with him. We stayed in trouble then. But uh, well, anyway, I found out there, you know, they give the little the material out, and I'm just grabbing because I want to see how we are doing as a convention, and I have to report to you, far as winning people to Jesus, we're not doing too good. We're not doing too good. Now, I know your church is doing excellent, doing wonderful. I probably have some little room for improvement, but... Uh, uh, a lot of churches are not doing nothing. You do realize that we have over 47,000 Southern Baptist Church, over 47,000. And we only baptized this past year, or the year 2016, we only baptized uh, 280,000, few hundred, over 280,000. 
They tell us that's the worst since 1946. <laughs> I, I wasn't even born then. 1946, that's the worst. What, what would change that? A burdened heart for man's condition. To get a burdened heart for man's condition. You say, well, Lyndon, what is man's condition? Number one, he's lost. He's lost. He don't know Christ. He's lost his way. He's going to end up in the lake of fire. He's going to land up in hell if he doesn't come to know Christ. Man's condition, he's lost. No matter how fine and refined he may be, he's still lost. If you don't know Christ tonight, friend, you're lost. I mean, it's, it, there's no middle ground. It's one or the other, amen? you either head, headed to heaven tonight or you're headed to hell. You say, well, Brother Lynn, look here. You got the cream of the crop tonight, but this is Sunday night. Sunday night crowd. This is the cream of the crop, Brother Lynn. This is the saved bunch. This is the redeemed bunch. This is the bunch that's going. <laughs> you know, Sunday morning crowd is always the popularity of the community. Sunday night's the popularity of the pastor. <laughs> Wednesday night is the popularity of the Lord. But I, I, believe we have, I believe we have good folk here tonight. I believe we have people here tonight that has a burden for a lost man. Man is lost. He's lost his way. In the midst of everything that's going on, man is lost. I mentioned it today over in Bozier City. I do not condemn lost people for doing what lost people do. Because I would not, I would not con uh, condemn a blind man because he can't see. And the Bible says, but if uh, our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. For the God of this world has blinded the minds, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine unto them. I get upset. I get perturbed. I, 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 hey, listen, I get frustrated with the lostness that I see all around me and all about me. But until I'm willing to do something about it, to take a burdened heart, and hey, listen, friend, and run into the darkness to make a difference. I mean, people are doing things that's un... I mean, we, we ought to be ashamed. We don't even blush over sin anymore. I realize that. It's because man's lost. Man's lost. And I'm kind of starting to question some of the ones who call themselves Christians that uh, we've lost our bearings as well. But man's lost. We need a burden heart from man's condition. Not only is he lost, he's lame. He's limping along the fence. He's crippled. He's, he's falling apart. And that... That's all around us. You know, I, I see your beautiful building here tonight. Man, uh, man, how I thank the Lord for churches that's reaching people, that's uh, reaching out to lost people, especially people who are, who are broken. You know, God, we throw broken things away, but God doesn't. You know, when something's broken, we say it's no use no more. God says, oh, what are you talking about? That's when I can use it. When it becomes broken. You know, my problem is making sure I stay broken before God. You know, I, I can't ever get so spiritually high-minded to forget that I was out there one time too. 
Say, when Jesus saved me, he had to reach way down to save me. To change my life, I want you to know, friend, I, well, he had to reach further down than I could reach up. I couldn't reach where, so he came to me, as old Squire Parsons wrote in that song. He came to me. When I could not come to where he was, he came to me. And when he saved me, he saved me drastically. He saved me radically. He saved me permanently. He took me out of the house of shame. Because folks, don't you know, it's a shameful lifestyle that I was living. And if it weren't for the grace of God, I don't know where I'd be at tonight. Come uh, August the 15th, I'll be saved 42 years. 42 years. 42 years. I thank God every day for His grace. I thank God every day for His mercy. I thank God every day for His love. Because, I mean, He could have said, enough's enough, and walked away from me. Do I believe that God does say that? Absolutely, I do. But I'm so glad I had enough sense in a revival meeting you know, why, on a Friday night. I can't even believe I was in church on Friday night. Boy, talk about having no money at all. No money at all to show up on church on Friday night. But I had to go because my friends cared enough about inviting me. And I just kept running out of excuses why I could not go. So I showed up Friday night and got arrested by the high sheriff of heaven. The Holy Ghost of God came straight to the pew where I was at and called me out. Hey, listen, I, it's not because I didn't fight it, because I did. I'm not happy, I'm not proud, but I resisted, I held on, I white-knuckled the pew. That means when you hold on so tight, you cut the circulation off. And all they see is those white knuckles. I know what it means to hold on. But thank God I finally gave in. But I, a burden heart. It's what, what I need today, I'm not talking about the lost people. I'm talking about us saved folk. We need to have a burden heart for man's condition. He's lost, he's lame, and he's leprous. He's diseased. He's, just, he's humanly incurable. Humanly incurable. He can take all kinds of steps and principles, hey, listen, and ideas, but until he comes to Jesus, he'll never be cured. Never be cured. And Jesus is the only one. Hey, you know, sin, just like leprosy, starts very tiny, very small. I mean, just like a little spot on the skin. That's all leprosy would do. A little white, little white spot. And then it would just grow and grow and completely consume the individual. We need to have a burdened heart for those men and those women. We need to have a burdened heart for man's condition, man's lost, man's lost. Somebody said, Lyndon, if you had to just say something to the church, what would you say? I want you to know, we need to get outside these four walls in our churches. And we need to have a burdened heart. It ought to grieve us when we see lost man doing what he does. See, but lost people do have a name. You know that, huh? They do have a name. They're called mom. They're called dad. They're called son. They're called daughter. 
They're called brother. They're called sister. An aunt, an uncle. They're called neighbor. They're my neighbors. They're called work associates. People you work with. Surely you wouldn't want to see anybody that you work with die and go to hell. I'll never forget when I pastored the Beckwith Baptist Church. I had a man walk down the aisle. He was crying, saying, Lyndon, I need, Brother Lyndon, I need you to pray for me because I'm the only Christian on my job. It is so hard. It is so difficult. There was only seven people that worked on this job. But he said, pray for me because, man, it's so hard. It's bad. I'm the only, I'm the only, I'm the only Christian on the job. I said, no, you're not. No, you're not. I said, you're the first Christian on that job. He said, I am. I said, you're the first. I said, man, God don't, doesn't want you to go to Africa to witness. He's gave you a mission field right at your job. You're one of the leading. You're a boss on that job. And don't you know, old Stuart boy started sharing Christ, started witnessing. He won every single person on his job. Seven of them. He won them all. And he said, Lyndon, it's simply because you helped me to get some perspective instead of me having just a little whiny pity party. Look at it from a different perspective. This is my mission field. This is where God's planted me. You've got to have a burdened heart for man's condition. Secondly, the Apostle Paul is living proof of this, but also we need a broken heart we need a broken heart for sin's destruction. A broken heart. A burdened heart, but a broken heart. Sin is a destroyer. It, it's destroying our homes. Here in Longview, Ritter, where I live at, Carrie and I and the boy, hey, listen, friend, every day homes are being ripped apart, torn apart. Why? Because of sin. Sin is a destroyer. You say, oh, no, it's alcohol, it's drugs, it's this, that. No, it's sin. It's sin. Name the real culprit here. Sin. And sin left unchecked, friend, just like a raging wildfire will destroy everything it touches. Everything it touches. This past week, and uh, we were in Gina, Louisiana, in revival meeting. There was a young man that played the drums there Sunday morning, and the pastor made a comment because uh, the kid was tremendous. I mean, he was a great drunk. I mean, I didn't even listen to music. I watched him play the drum. I mean, he was good, you know. And then I got up to preach my sermon, my message, and I saw him began to weep. I preached on the real thing. What is real Bible salvation? Paul says uh, in chapter 6, same book, ye were, ye became. Verse 17, chapter 6, God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin. Verse, uh, that's verse 17, verse 18, but ye became the servants of righteousness. Ye were, ye became, ye were, ye became. There is a change that has to take place when a person gets saved. If there's never been a change, there's never been salvation. Vance Havner said, if you are what you've always been, you're not saved. You're not saved. Has to be a change. Well, that drummer, he began to cry. He began to weep. And I'm saying to myself, 
Well, I'm preaching. Wonder what's what's he tore up about? Well, I'm telling you, we gave that invitation. I mean, he hit the aisle running. He came up to Pastor Johnny, and I mean, just threw his arms around him, and I could hear him sobbing out loud and saying, Brother Johnny, I need to be saved. I need to be saved. I need to be saved. His grandpa was a drug addict. His daddy was a drug addict. He had been a drug addict, trying had just got out two or three months ago. Was headed back. He was headed back. Why? Only Jesus can cure you. Only Jesus can cure you. Old Curtis came to trust Christ. Got saved. The drummer in the praise team. I said, good grief. They slipped in under the radar. See, I ask people, if you died right now, do you know you're going to heaven? If you die right now, do you know for sure you're going to heaven? We need to have a broken heart. Yeah. Man's looking at the temporal, and God's looking at the eternal. Huh? Man's looking at just right now, God's looking at in the sweet by and by. We need to have a broken heart for sin's destruction. And lastly, here it is. We need to have a burning heart for God's redemption. A burning heart for God's redemption. A burdened heart for man's condition. A broken heart for sin's destruction. And we need to have a burning heart for God's redemption. That's the kind of heart Paul has. Look what he says in verse 3. For I could wish that myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. What he really says, for I could wish that myself were anathema, separated from God. I'd take their place in hell is what he's saying. That's what he's saying. If I thought my brothers and, sister, and sisters, according to the flesh, the Jews... If they would just accept Jesus as the Savior, the Messiah. Huh? Do we have a burning heart for God's redemption? I was just looking over in the book of Exodus before I stepped up here in chapter 32. Moses had a burning heart for the people. In Exodus chapter 32, if you'll look at it in verse 30, Exodus chapter 32, the scripture says, you, I mean, Moses had went into the mountain and came back down. They thought he was dead. So somebody convinced Aaron and them to make the uh, golden calf. Uh, look at verse 30. It came to pass on the morrow that Moses said unto the people, You have sinned a great sin. And now I will go up unto the Lord, peradventure or perhaps, I shall make an atonement. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Oh, this people have sinned a great sin and have made them gods of gold. Look at verse 32. Yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of the book which thou hast written. That's a burning heart. 
you can't forgive them, don't forgive me either. Wow. I don't hear many Christians in the church praying that kind of prayer. Then there's, well, Jesus. You heard Jesus. He said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing at the cross. But I don't know if you ever studied the story of Queen Esther. Oh, Esther. You know, Mordecai said, you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Mordecai got word that Haman, oh, yeah, the king, his name was Xerxes. King Xerxes. And Esther was the queen. And Xerxes and Haman had agreed to go ahead and annihilate the Jews, take them out. And Haman got word to Esther, who was really a Jew herself. She was a Jew herself. Had got word to her that tomorrow Haman's going to hang your 14th cousin here. I don't know what he was to her really. Uncle, cousin. Depends what commentary writer. Because they don't know either. <laughs> but they're kin. I'm going to hang on the gallows tomorrow. You need, you need to go in and talk to the king on our behalf. And she said, man, I can't do that. He can, he can have my head. I cannot just walk into the king's chambers uninvited, even though I'm the queen. And he said, well, that's when he makes that great statement, you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this, maybe. And she said, well, you go and fast and pray. Now I'm sure Mordecai, he just went and prayed fast. <laughs> I'm in a hurry. I ain't got time to fast and pray. But she said, go fast and pray. I will go in. And here's that great statement she makes in the King James. And she said, if I perish, I perish but I'm willing to lay down my life for your redemption. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, we need to have a burning heart for God's redemption. We need to go the second mile is what I'm saying. Maybe the third mile. <clears throat> Preachers tell me all the, all the time, pastors tell me all the time, Lyndon, it's not like it used to be. I mean, pastoring is totally different. I said, really? Yeah, you've been out of it for 19 years. And I have. We've been traveling, preaching 19 years. Pastor for 22 years. You know, I really believe it's still easy to, it's easy to reach people. But you've got to have the right kind of heart to do it. It's all about the heart. You can never have the attitude. Let me just look over here. Because nobody said, he looked right at me when he said that. You can't have the attitude that, are we sending our van into that neighborhood now? We're going to let those people come in and sit on our pews? 
What I've seen today, not here, I'm not talking about y'all, y'all know that, so you can relax. I'm talking about other churches. I've seen so much selective evangelism. Selective evangelism. Pick and choose who we want in our club. Yeah? I think Jesus wants us all. I I'm still believe that God still loves the whole world. Huh? He still loves. I tell a lot of my pastor's friends, I said, you having a problem filling your church? I don't understand why people won't come. Well, a sign's not going to get them. You can't hang out a sign and say, y'all come. That's never worked. It's never worked. It's not even biblical. The scripture said we're to go out on the highways and the byway compel the people coming in order that my house might be full. I said, here's what you do. Go after everybody nobody else wants. Just go after that bunch. I promise you, ain't nobody going to run over you to get into that bunch. Yeah. And man, when you stand up and you preach and you look at your congregation, you say, I got them. Nobody else wants this bunch of people. I ain't promise you that. I've seen it. I've experienced, I know. I've seen people come in with a bandana wrapped around their head. And I'm thinking, did somebody slug him in the parking lot? Did he get in a fight? Is he the son of Cochise? I mean, who is that guy with the bandana around his head? You know, who invited him? He came just like he was. Because somebody said, we'll take you. Just come on anyway. Come on anyway. That's the right kind of heart. It's a burden heart, a broken heart, and a burning heart to reach lost people. Right. I promise you, when the church adopts that type of heart, you don't have a problem of, of um, you know, you have to use the balcony all the services. <laughs> Not just Sunday morning. Not just Easter. You know, some churches I've been at tell, oh, we don't open that till Easter. <laughs> till Easter. I said, isn't every day, every Sunday Easter? Isn't it the resurrection? That's what we're celebrating. See, I really believe that the problem of the, the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. David said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Could it be tonight? We're getting ready. <clears throat> I don't know when the heat wave is going to end. We were in Phoenix, and they said, uh, it's a dry heat out here. It was hot. <laughs> it was hot. I'll take the wet heat anytime. Yeah, that dry heat, man, I, I was expecting for some reason to be cooler. But 110 is 110. Yeah. If we just get the right heart, search my heart, God. I mean, man, we're getting ready. School's fixing to start back. The kids don't like to hear that, but ready or not, here it comes. That's why we do school all year round, so my kids don't ever... Don't ever get a break. Huh? Well, we, we do homeschool our kids. And there's a reason, because I don't want them smarter than me. 
I don't want them smarter than that. What kind of heart do we need? We need a burden heart for man's condition. Yeah. We need a broken heart because of sin's destruction. We need a burning heart for God's redemption for lost man. Man, just drive through our communities and you can see the destruction of sin. People say, oh man, drugs have done all. No, lost man's sin has done that. See, if we never identified the real issue, we'll never reach people. Huh? We'll never reach people. See, what we're trying to do is the old theory of cleaning up the pig. Clean old Arnold up and bring him. I mean, put a pink bow in his tail. Set him on the couch and let him watch TV. But as soon as that door opens, he's out because you've not changed his nature. See, that's just polishing the outside of man is not helping him. We've got to reach and let Jesus change his nature. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation, a creature. All things have passed away, and behold, all things become new. Let's pray together tonight, church family. Our folks are going to come get us ready for an invitation. We'll have men down here at the front to pray with you. Some of you might just want to just come and kneel and pray. At an altar tonight, just say, God, I need you to do heart surgery on me tonight. I need you to take your finger and just work in my heart tonight to give me a burdened heart and a broken heart and a burning heart for mankind.